All right, because three is a crowd. I'm here today once again, as always, in the blockhouse with Kelly. It's cold in here on a nice spring day, but it doesn't. It's warmer in here than the rest of the house. Well, it's because I had the heater on for like two hours. <laughs> Freaking hot in here. Mm-hmm. However, the sun outside it does feel good. It does feel good, but it doesn't permeate in here. There's one window. It's almost like a bunker atmosphere. You know, can you believe it's been a year since we've been in the bunker? It feels longer. It's a bit off topic. Why were we in bunkers? Why are we in blockhouses? Did I ask you how you were? You're doing good? I don't think you... How's it going, Kelly? (laughs) Um, We are talking about our temperatures, so it's it's, it's fine. I feel like crap. How are you? I feel fine. Mm. I feel cold, but fine. Yeah. Like a white walker. Oh, no. Too soon. (laughs) This is not a Game of Thrones podcast. This is a... Bob Dylan podcast. We listen to a Bob Dylan song at random. At the end of the episode, we're going to pick a new song and we're going to listen to it for a week and then we're going to get together and we're going to talk about it. But this week, we listen to perhaps his most contentious song, maybe in his entire oeuvre. Wow. I've been listening to Bob Dylan for most of my life. Kelly has heard roughly the same number of songs as the former town of Smithville, Pennsylvania, that had to change its name to avoid confusion on July 28th, 1884. And this week, we listen to Bob Dylan's just like a woman. Do you mean like the population? No, the town is called 84. Oh. That's cool. Nobody feels any pain. Tonight is Austin inside the rain. Everybody knows. He's got new clothes But lately I see her ribbons And her bows Have fallen From her curls That's the year That's the year it had to change Nice Yeah, weird 84 84 Pennsylvania That seems like a weird thing to like 84 But they spell it out Obviously Well, sure, but still Yeah Still Can't think of another one that's Chicago 3, you know, why don't we have a Chicago 3? Yeah, why not Portland 2? Why aren't we Portland 2 instead of Portland? Because, I mean, Portland, Maine was first, right? So Mm. why why aren't we Portland 2? Why don't we number these things so we know what order they came in? Pawnee 17. I live in Pawnee 17. Simple. It just feels like (laughs) really dystopian (laughs) future thing. I like little districts. Yeah. But, I mean, 84, that's pretty... I mean, 1984. Holy shit. They didn't even know. So they just named it like this is the 84th city we found. Well, some people think that it was uh, in like to uh, celebrate Grover Cleveland, who won the presidency in 1884. But that happened in July. He was elected in November. We never had a president named Grover. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like 100% sure. (laughs) Famously. Famously. Yeah. So it was, I think it was just that. They just needed. He's just unimaginative. And he was like, 84. Fuck it. Do it. Who gives a shit? All right, Kelly, we spent this week listening to Just Like a Woman. Now, normally I would ask you what your initial thoughts were, but I'm going to hold it off just for a moment because we're just going to talk about it for the rest of the whole uh, time of this podcast. But I'm just going to go through the context really quick so we have a good baseline of what we're talking about because there's a lot of stuff today. This song was recorded in one day. It was recorded on March 8th, 1966. We're going to talk about The Cutting Edge. We listened to the entire sessions. I finished this in between Pledging My Time, so that Crazy Ska version at that point, you get this quote from Dylan. I think he says something like, we've lost it. And that was like, sure, we lost it. So right, we're done. Yeah. We're going to shelve this and we're going to come back to it. And they did later, starting at about nine o'clock that night and then going into the next morning. And then they finished the whole thing in 18 takes, I think. Uh, the musicians that played on this track, Charlie McCoy as normal, uh, Joseph Sutter Jr. and Wayne Moss all on guitar, Henry Streslicki on bass, Hargis Robbins on piano. Uh, Al Cooper, of course, on organ, and Kenny Buttry, of course, on drums. Robbie Robertson was there, but he didn't play guitar. He was just hanging out. Hmm. Rude. <laughs> in Biograph, Bob Dylan claimed that he wrote this song in Kansas City on Thanksgiving Day, 1965, while on tour. Sean Malentz, uh historian uh, of the Civil War and Reconstruction, but also a huge Bob Dylan fan, and he kind of pushes back against that because you can listen to the first track that you know now it's all available for everybody but back in the day he was able to listen to these because he's a scholar and a historian and uh he was 
he basically said the first track, which is our first complete track, if you listen to uh, the Blue Lake series, volume 12, is just gibberish. He's just making up words as he goes along. He doesn't know what he's doing. Um, he doesn't know what women do because he says things like take, make, um, just, you know, making up stuff. He just doesn't know what he wants to put Whatever in there. Yeah. He wants to throw in, yeah. So the fact that he wrote the song, I mean, he might have had an idea of it uh, is one thing or another. Yes, he shake just like a wolf. Yes, yes, he ate just like a woman But he break just like a little girl Apparently, after he was finished, he offered the song to Otis Redding, who seemingly wanted to do it, but then unfortunately passed away in 1967. It was released as a single in August of 66, and it peaked at number 33, on Billboard. In 2011, Rolling Stone ranked this song as their 232nd song of all time, the 500 greatest songs Whoa. of all time. He's played this song 871 times total. BobDylan.com says that his first performance was April 13, 1966, but Clinton Halen says that, in fact, it was March 26, 1966. So once again, BobDylan.com, not your source for Bob Dylan information. So Kelly, <laughs> that is just like a woman in a nutshell. One day to make a song always makes it easier when you don't have 44 producers and seven sure, days sure, and yeah. overdubs and shit. So they sat down in a room and they played it. They played a bunch of other songs with it. We'll get pledging my time later. Inevitably, we'll talk about this song at least one more time. What were your thoughts on this song? You said you maybe had heard this song before. You heard it on, I guess, Bootleg Series Volume 5 when we did episode really 26. But, I mean, is this is this a song that's, like, out there in the world? This is one of his most famous songs. I don't think I've ever heard it beyond okay. that. Yeah, I would only have ever heard it on, on Rolling Thunder. Uh, musically, it's fine. It's just, like, kind of simple, sweet little song. Um, there's so many versions, so it's kind of tough. The Another track with a lot of personnel on it. I mean, you named all the, the players. It's it's a lot going on. I don't always know if that benefits the songs that they're yeah. making. But, I mean, this sounds fine. Together. It's, like... I don't know. It, it's it feels a little dated, like the, at least the blonde blood, the final cut version of it. Yeah, I don't know that it uh, it feels contemporary in any way, but um, it, it's proficient. It's fine. Yes, yeah. musically fine. Fine. Yeah. What about the song itself? Were you so yeah lyrically? I don't know. I think it's there's you can look at this two ways, right? Yeah. You can look at it uh, cynically, like it's totally infantilizing and patronizing of women and just making general sweeping generalizations and uh, not painting them in, in a very good light, kind of like doing the manic pixie dream girl thing where like, you're not like other girls. Like you, you think that you should fit in with them, but you're not like them because all women are fucking trash, but you're not. Yeah. Uh, or you can take it as like, um, I'm viewing this person as an equal and I know how much pressure society puts on you. I, I feel like an outsider too. And I think that you feel differently than the, than the airs that you're putting on. You seem like a vulnerable person. Like you, you're putting on this front that you're strong and, and, but underneath it, you're scared yeah. and vulnerable. And I am too. And you know, like we shared a moment and, uh, I hope that please don't tell anybody that I was once weak. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it seems tried every, every episode my first thoughts always are like, it's all about, it's all about you. Like whatever you want to put on it is all on you. And Dylan's such a great writer that it's like, there's enough detail in the song that it doesn't get lost and becomes about Jesus or something like that. Right. But there's not enough detail that it's like, boom, you just yeah. pop yourself into that song. And it's, you know, it's tough because we've talked about, you know, this song is, is famous, I think on, on another level for, misogyny sexism mm -hmm. just i mean we've talked about bob dylan and women and we'll kind of touch on it again here but you can go back to sarah you can go back to shelter from the storm we've we've treaded this ground before um but it's kind of hard it's damned if you do damned if you don't in my head because if you don't know bob dylan at all and this is your first song hearing it and you're hearing it just like out of context out of nowhere it's kind of a wtf type of song you're like what the fuck is this guy singing about and then if you know too much you're like yeah you can you can kind of piece together or you start to like compress time and you start to like take facts and stuff like that and put them all together. So you start to read it as like when Bob gets really mean in the 80s and like the 70s when he's like singing all of these songs that he wrote for Suze in front of Sarah and stuff like that. You know, we know that side of him, that vindictive shitty side, but he's just a kid here. So he's not really that yet, but you want to put it all together. Right. 
start to read into things that maybe aren't really there. Um, so that's kind of tough for me. My initial thought is that I don't, I don't ride for this song. I don't think there's anything that I would fight for in this song, except for maybe that harmonica solo, yeah. which is, I mean, some people consider it the best Bob Dylan harmonica solo. I mean, it's period. really lyrical in its nature. Like, it's it really gorgeous. does carry a, a melody that adds like, he's just, every time he plays it, I'm really blown away. Yeah. So good at that. Yeah. So I'm like, let's save that. But as to the rest of it, I think it's incredibly overrated. I think that he's done this. Um, we've talked about it a bunch on, I want you fourth time around. And one of us must know sooner or later, the other three blonde on blonde songs that we've done that they kind of, he's sort of like gets into a thematic mindset and he starts to write based on a theme. Mm -hmm. And even with some of these lyrics, um, the way that he was writing, they almost could have been cherry picked and moved elsewhere, that type of thing. And I think that he's done this sentiment better. I think one of us, one of, um, I'm sorry. I think one of us must know sooner or later is a better song. It's basically the same song as this sort of, you know, it's got, it's obviously different, but I think that it makes a more compelling point than just like a woman does. Sure. And it came before and Bob Dylan has a penchant for kind of like making the grand statement, hitting it out of the park and then kind of like, well, let's just clear the dregs. Let's just kind of keep working on that theme and let's see what we make. And it's not that it's bad. And in fact, this one, this one's on all the greatest hits and that one's not. So what do I know? But like, I think that he did it better the first time around. So it's kind of tough. I think that, um, trying to look at this song in a favorable light of like, he's not just being a shitty sexist jerk. Yeah. Uh, kind of gets unwound a little bit if you listen to the cutting edge. Correct. Because you realize that, no, he didn't write these with clear purpose and these lyrics are kind of plug and play. Sure. And he was just kind of moving them around and it does m maybe color it more so in the, this, the idea of it being like, oh yeah, just like a woman, ugh, I implied eye roll, they're the worst. Sure. So that's a bummer. But um, lyrics withstanding i would say actually my favorite version is the bootleg series the the cutting edge the first take of it um okay. i really enjoy the guitar it's a lot different yeah um it it's like more of like a little plinky thing and it's the organs toned way down which the organ for me is what dates things immediately like there's yeah. there's it can cut either way because a later version uses the organ heavily and it makes it sound like vampire weekend that's great uh, but for me, with the actual final blonde on blonde version, yeah. the organ makes it just like goofy. Yeah, it and takes... it is the final version. Yeah, no, it, I I I see what you're saying. I think that like weirdly enough, I think that the organ is complimentary because if you go to that fourth take, which is the one that sounds like Vampire Weekend, uh, Sean Wilentz described it as a weird double take, a weird double time fourth take where somewhere between Bo Diddley and Jamaican Scott. She don't bother me and ask her where I expect to be. But why do you show all these things to see? It was me who gave you those pearls. Um. We didn't have Vampire Weekend then. So. Didn't have Vampire Weekends. <laughs> but like, yeah, it's it's almost like goofy where it like kind of like works. But that to me is like audacious where I, as just like a woman, I don't think it has. Yeah, I think well, it's lyrically makes no sense. Like oh, even yeah, even if the oh, it takes tonally everything. Yeah. It's just. Yeah. I, I wrote down, you know, the, the entire feel of the song. No Completely good. Changed, no yeah. good. Yeah. Like bad. He, he doesn't aside. know how to fit the words in anymore. And it's like, yeah, but for this, this take one, I do think was my, my favorite yeah. of all of them. Even like the other live versions we listened to and everything. I just, I don't know something about it. Uh, I think that the bridge, like the lyrics are a lot different um, in this take one than the versions that'll come after it. And I think I just like the way they sound it better. Like the yeah. way he, he sings a little better. I don't know. Well, I think you favorite. like possibility. That song had a bunch of possibilities at that point. That's true. Um, I mean, well, what I was searching for a moment ago, well, was saying uh, in the song, he's rejecting shakes, wakes, makes mistakes. Mm -hmm. He's just trying to throw stuff on the wall to see what fits. And I think, a different song could have had a different set of rhyming oh, couplets sure. and we have a different song on our hands, but instead we either tap into the well that's already been sprung or we move somewhere different. And I think he's tapping into the same stuff that he, he'd already been doing. And this is kind of a closing period. This is one of the last, you know, great mercury sound sixties moments left in Bob Dylan before he goes off and quote unquote crashes his motorcycle and moves to big pink you know like that that is happening within a year of this recording mm. this whole era is ending right now we're listening to the end of it um yeah i really like i like the take one i like like take two and three stuff they have this really cool guitar flourish they got this like hammer on mm -hmm. going on 
uh, which they they put back in later when they come back to the song, but they do it with an acoustic instead of an electric. It's really cool how they just kind of like keep incorporating, but a lot of those cool things that in those early takes are gone by the end of it. Oh yeah. It's almost like you smoothed the edges so much that you lost any of the fun. Whereas like one of us must know, we also got like 18 takes of that. That was a, that was a blast from beginning to end. It was so much fun. And you can hear him piling on ideas mm-hmm. with, with the drums and with the piano especially. Uh, I think the song, the, what will be the final version, takes form on the cutting edge and that takes six, where he actually does change the lyric from Annie, she's my friend, to Queen Mary, she's my friend. Yes. Um, but that is what that is the form of the song. They'll tweak a little bit here and there. Um, it's a little bit slower what, than what the final version will be, but sure. everything that comes after takes six on the cutting edge is basically the same. It's just hammering out those little details. Yeah, which is um, kind of the best part about it. I love all those moments where Dylan's like practicing by himself or the music fades and you just have like the drums and the bass mm-hmm. go in and or, he laughs like, Ooh, and, yeah. or he's cracking up I mean yeah. but take one is just laughing at the end mm-hmm. it's fantastic yeah and it's another one where you get really close and you've got great Bob Johnston stuff where he sounds slightly bored at times and then really excited he's like uh, what does he say Oh, for the Vampire Recon one, he says, that's one hell of a beat. That's one hell of a beat. I was like, you're fucking right it is. We're just 50 years too early, friend. (laughs) Okay. That's one hell of a beat. Kind of what I think makes the the final version successful is that, (laughs) is when Kenny, uh, you hear him on the thing and he says that he wants to take off his drum is it hinges what's the word he says i think it's shit hang on it says hey bob let me take off these hinges i think word i can't hear off does that sound better these hinges i think make it sound like a dead pillow dead pillow yeah i I just put drum cover i don't think i could even understand him but yeah yeah, when he took it off you could hear immediately Mm -hmm. on that next take and then you have uh and then you have bob at the end of that takes bob johnston saying that's a good feel bob that intro's off but it's a perfect feel Mm -hmm. i love that it's like oh yeah we're we're so close and it's true because take 16 was like almost there yeah and that one to me is actually my favorite version of the whole thing because it does it's sloppy it's a little bit improvisational um the guitar flourishes come back. Yeah, the Spanish like little, guitar sound. I know what you're talking about. Which is about cool, now, yeah. yeah. So it's just got that cool hammer-ons that go away literally right after this. Yes, in your long time curse hurts, but what worse is this pain in here. I can't stand here. And then take 17 is like almost there. And then 18 is obviously the one And 18, which is the blonde and blonde cut, is the only one that says makes love like a woman, which I also feel like kind of colors the song too. True. Yeah. Right. Because you can read that and we'll get to that in a moment. Yeah. So for sure. Uh, So beyond starting there with the cutting edge, Mm -hmm. you know, he he finished that. He moved on. As we know, he's played this song 871 times uh, as of this recording. From here, we, we listened to Live 1966 from the Bootleg Series Volume 4, uh, Live 1974, Before the Flood with the band. We've listened to the Rolling Thunder review once. So if you want to listen to our initial takes way before this, episode 26 of our show, you can go do that. Uh, and then uh, Budokan, 1979. He still plays a song. Um, we could have done like a deeper cut. Um, there's uh, They said that the, the Woodstock one is particularly good, but I didn't uh, even mm. think to put it on. I mean, we have so many versions sure. uh, to begin with. Uh but did anything stand out to you in any one of those versions? Because they are quite different. I mean, like the 66 one is just him and a guitar. Yeah, actually. And his harmonica. Um, that's my my like second favorite one yeah. behind the, the take one from the cutting edge. I just, I think his, his voice is beautiful in it. And you, so I was trying to like a little bit compare it to uh, Girl from North Country and yeah. Spanish Leather. And him, he's a better guitar player already. You can tell how proficient he is at playing the guitar during this song versus yeah. just listening to even a couple of years before that. Um, so that was really cool just to hear him do that. Um, the the recording is so good. Yeah. So good. You would never know it's a live performance. Also because everyone is fucking silent. I've never heard a live recording where there's no sound not even like a cough or whisper nope. from the audience until the very end and everyone he is god I mean, and I you can't. watch him in reverence <laughs> I fucking you're guess. lucky to be there yeah it's uh 
I don't know. That was really weird. I've never heard that before. Um, and then I liked the Before the Flood version, but I was a little confused. It's very similar because it's just him and a guitar. It again. is, yeah. But isn't that the tour with the fucking band? It's like, why didn't we have... Well, and that was a tour with the band before, Live 66. But okay. uh, he played an acoustic set to begin and then would come out and rock their faces off. And that's what sure. they hated. Um, but no, by 74, this was like the music at that point. Um, and he had kind of disappeared for a couple of years. So no, this was with the band, but it was definitely playing more to a stadium. Like he's, you could hear the crowd and mm-hmm. they were more than happy to cheer for his terrible harmonica playing and solo. <laughs> Just like, oh, he held a note out for longer than I thought. <laughs> like um personally no I, I i don't like this version but it is the the band is there but he is playing it much more um he's kind of playing it the same way he does for rolling thunder it's a way more just a masculine tough guitar like there's just like playing four chords and just yeah like, there's no finesse to it that's why the the free train is so much better he's just yeah really um banging on the chords see i'm a sucker i'm a sucker for the period i'm like i love it i love when he plays the guitar like that I love his quick acoustic takes like that. And I think he's made a lot of songs better. I mean, with God on our side, it's a great example. He cut that song in fucking half by playing it fast and just letting the song ride. And I appreciate that. And with Rolling Thunder, he cut down that time, which is important. But before the flood, I think kind of breaks uh, exactly what we were saying before, whereas it's a little more ambiguous what's going on lyrically. But then this reminded me a lot of like Tangled Up in Blue when we listen to Real Live, mm. where it can get real nasty real quick. And when he sings that breaks, just like a little girl, like, I don't know, you just feel a little bit of like, ooh. Christmas. Yeah. I do like rough. his voice a lot on this one too. Oh, it's too. like, this is my era. This is my shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this, this is Rolling his best Thunder performance of perfect. it. Perfect, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no fault on 66. Holy shit. Everything up to this moment. Is and this song perfect. is really sleepy. The Blonde on Blonde version is super sleepy. It mm-hmm. doesn't have a lot of movement, but there's an urgency in his voice that propels the song. Plus, the yeah, the chords simplifying it down. True. Just being chords. True. And the Rolling Thunder has Scarlet. Yeah, which makes a difference. So, so. And mm-hmm. she's over there in the corner just like, <laughs> playing her own thing, which I really uh, like. And I, I guess I would be remiss not to say... Netflix is coming out with a, a documentary, Martin Scorsese documentary, on June 12th. Uh, so if you're watching this, listening to this after June 12th, then it's already out. So go listen to that. We are going to be reviewing that as well. So in lieu of an episode, we will be doing that documentary. It's weird because this Rolling Thunder review has is taken from a couple soundboard recordings from the Worcester show, Harvard, Quebec, and Boston. And they're releasing the entire shows mm. as a part of a, a, a 14-disc um collection uh which is kind of weird because i don't know they're still not doing like the full shows they're just they're just doing bob dylan's version of the take of it you know bob dylan was just a part of the rolling thunder oh sure right you know so it would be cool to have it was like a six hour variety it's a a big thing yeah Yeah. i don't know about six hours but yeah it would be a a bunch of different people playing Mm -hmm. and it would be cool to have like a whole show but we do get to have some cool uh it seems like some cool um rehearsal stuff and then some random songs that um on like a last disc that they've been doing now for a couple of bootleg series so really excited about that and we'll talk about that at the time but i'm excited for that movie which has nothing to do with this show at all and then we get to budokan 1979 i feel like i'm fine with this version which is weird because i don't like budokan and i don't like the 78 tour in general but i kind of i'm kind of into this version yeah, it's definitely not as like, offensively awful and boring um, as yeah, boring. some of the other stuff. Maybe real live. If it was on real live, <laughs> it would be fucking boring. Uh, but, you know, it does have a harmonica, and the Rolling Thunder review version did not, but it no. had Scarlet. So, I mean. Harmonica's a bit grating for my taste, but the singers are really nice. They're nice and subtle. They nice fit, and subtle. fit well. And, and, and on, contrasting that with the Rolling Thunder, which also has backup singers to it, it, which feel good. Like, it doesn't yeah. feel out of place or, or God, just like so pointedly on what is that one song we did with the the album with the vet, the jacket and we watched the music video. Empire Burlesque. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. The, that music video with just like fucking oh, hand yeah. fisting yes. the background singers. And it just yes, they are didn't part feel like of that. the whole thing. Yeah. yeah. No, that's true. And that, that's what made that pretty, pretty okay, uh, all told. But yeah, my favorite versions are definitely the whole cutting edge in general, take 16 uh, in particular, but it's hard to fault the blonde on blonde version. It's just what a great sounding record and 
it's just it's sleepy and it's nice. I mean, I think that's that's the thing. But is it nice? Is it nice? In 2004, Bob Dylan said to Robert Hilburn, quote, even if I told you what, just like a woman, was about, I wouldn't. It's up to the listener to figure out what it means. This is a very broad song. It's like a lot of blues-based songs. Somebody may be talking about a woman, but they're not really talking about a woman at all. It's a city song. I don't think in lateral terms as a writer. I always try to turn a song on its head. Otherwise, I figure I'm wasting the listener's time. So the song is actually about the city of Minneapolis. <laughs> and how Minneapolis is just like a woman. But I love what Bob. does that mean? I love him so what much. are you saying when you say Minneapolis is just like a woman? Well, what is he saying? So what's the song about? That's what I want to get into. So your first your first temptation, of course, is to who is the song is about? Who? Who are we talking about? Well, I think even think? that's ambiguous. Is it one it woman is. or is it all women? Right. Or is it a city? As we just, as <laughs> right. we just, uh, some people think that it's E. Sedgwick, who we talked about on Fourth Time Around Sounds with familiar. Andy Warhol, Andy Warhol's uh, world. Uh, they had a little tryst, I suppose. Uh, so if you want to listen to that, we talked about her on Fourth Time Around. Could it be Joan Baez? There is a line specifically that some people point to as being about her. Could it be Lingering Thoughts of Suze? Every song, famously, is about Suze. Could it also be about a man? No. Oh. I would, I would be into that. Uh, per Clinton Highland. I had never really heard this before, mainly because I don't really care about the song. Man, I'm surprised I, I didn't get that take. Uh, so there's a song on his on, on this record um, within that was completed within days of this song called Temporary Like Achilles, where he explicitly refers to one character as hungry like a man in drag. Uh, there's also an interaction in a rap. You know, we've listened to Bob Dylan uh, during his Christian period going up and like just off the cuff, just like telling a story okay. to everybody. Oh no, not like a uh, rap like, rap. Didn't like you, a... didn't you make me listen to a rap oh, that Bob God. Dylan did? We, we did. We'll have to talk. We will be talking about that song someday. <laughs> no, no, he's talking, he, he's going through an interaction. So in, in 1980 at the Warfield in San Francisco, he says, uh, on stage quote, the other night I was standing backstage and this guy came up to me and said, do you remember that woman that came up to you about an hour ago with long red hair? I said, yes, I remember that woman. He said, she, she sure was pretty. Wasn't she? Yeah, she was all right. He said, that was me. Nobody feels any pain and then leaves. So then he just starts playing the song. Hmm. So what does that all mean? Who knows? I mean, that person was the woman, I suppose. Hmm. And then came up to Bob after, or it's just a made up story. Right. But in Bob Dylan's halves and non-truths, there might be something there. I don't know. I didn't look. I mean, I'm here for bisexual Bob Dylan. I just, I'm disappointed in myself that I didn't have that take. We can go back and retcon this all. <laughs> yeah. Kelly, what do you think the song is about? It's clearly about a man. All right, because three is a crowd, <laughs> Kelly. What is that? I guess there's no clear answer, right? What, what it is, if it is an indictment against all womankind, or if it's just specifically talking about a person and the moment they share. That's a great. That's a great question. I don't think it can be all womankind because I don't think the song is broad enough. I don't think the song. <laughs> Is 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 it about all major cities in America? Is it about or just one? It, that's <laughs> that's a great question. I don't know. I kind of like what's the song about? I see the song as like kind of like shedding an old layer of yourself. Like he's about to get married to Sarah. Like he's about to do the sad eyed lady of the lowlands. Like he's, he's about to leave this old life behind. That that period's coming to an end. And I feel in some way when you get to a relationship, it's that's not out of character, right? I mean people rag on their former relationships i mean especially if the other your your new partner knows the old partners you know it's almost it almost seems like one of those things where dylan's like cataloging all of the stuff in his old life and basically like in his head burying it now that means letting himself off the hook which bob does all the time but it also means exercising demons. So is it about anyone in particular? I, I don't think so. Christopher Rick says, quote, everyone can understand the feelings and the relationship described in this song. So what does it matter if Dylan wrote it about one woman with one woman in mind? Mm. So that's the way that I kind of well, that's, see it, I guess, in a way. Even if it is about one singular woman, like that's a still it's still using that as a way to indict all women because you're constantly comparing them to by saying just like a woman sure well yeah. i think the text is there and yeah. let's actually get to the text so yeah. let's go through the lyrics because i'm definitely interested in just kind of seeing what's what the whole thing is up yeah what's up all right so let's start with the first verse nobody feels any pain tonight as i stand inside the rain everybody knows that baby's got new clothes but lately i see her ribbons and her bows have fallen from her curls how do you stand inside rain does he just mean it's raining and i'm standing in rain I, stand, I mean, I like it, though. I stand inside. I, know, I stand it's, it's inside fun. the rain. It's very like, poetic. It's yeah, very beautiful. But I just want to 
So it's just a little. Well, what do you make of all that? So what? So he's standing. He's standing inside Ray. And nobody feels any pain. But then he's like, this whole song is like, I'm. I feel pain, right? I mean, the whole thing is like anguish about this damn woman. Well, I guess if I had to try to take this as a little narrative of a snapshot of a moment, I would place this setting of this entire song. And it's like a party or like a gathering. In 1864. Sure. Fuck it. Well, Anytime. The, uh, some more. <laughs> but so Bob's in the corner looking at this guy, but maybe even mm. high school reunion. Oh, hey. Where he would run into, what's her name? That the girl from the North Country may or may not be about. Uh, Bonnie, Bonnie Beecher. And, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Anyway. Or uh, Echo. Echo, that's the one. Yeah. So I, I see this as like a party, right? So he's just observing it. He's being a, a loser on the it's outside. It's a park bench song. He's just yeah. sitting there watching. and But of... like the tie-in is that it's a girl he used to know is in the crowd. Okay. And once they knew each other once, but now they don't anymore. So this kind of thing, it's like, you've got new clothes. You have a new life. That's the metaphor yeah, in this yeah. verse. It's like, I know that your shit's falling apart underneath. Like right. you, there, I can see the ribbons falling out of your hair, even though everybody else at this party thinks you look great and right. that you're having your shit together. Like, you know that Instagram life. You're showing everybody your Instagram face right now. Yeah. But I see you when you're in your fucking pajamas eating Cheetos. But I, I see know. You. I know. Yeah. I mean, people have said that from, from the beginning, you know, those, the ribbons and bows are the mask you wear, but I've seen your curls down right. all the way, that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah. There's an article that's constantly trotted out for this and for uh, like Rolling Stone, any, any one of Bob's vicious takedowns. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I actually went to read the article cause I always see it mentioned, but I've never read it and huh. it is Kind of great. Um, there's an article called "Does Rock Degrade Women?" Uh, <laughs> yes, by Marion coming to my TED talk <laughs> by Marion. No, no, by Marion Mead in 1971. She was watching a Woodstock documentary, which we're celebrating 50 years of Woodstock this year. Like people from the original Woodstock are going, but not Bob Dylan. He's not doing that. Job. All right, they are doing it, but oh, they're doing another one. Yeah. Right. So she's watching the Woodstock documentary again. Remember, always 1971. Okay. So it's only a few years after this, five years after this quote, with the exception of a pregnant Joan Baez, who couldn't seem to stop talking about her husband. All the musicians were men, sweaty, bearded men were busy building the stage, directing traffic, shooting the film and running the festival. Brotherhood was repeatedly proclaimed both on stage and off. Woodstock nation was beginning to look ominously like a fantasy land, which only welcomed men. How about the women barefooted and sometimes bare, bare breasted. They sprawled erotically on the grass, looking after their babies and dished up hot meals. So then she relates all of this to a quote from Stokely Carmichael, who said that he loved watching Westerns as a kid because he loved rooting for the Cowboys against the Indians until one day he realized he was an Indian. Mm. Powerful stuff. So I was like, damn, she's coming in hot with that. Then she goes to Bob Dylan. I mean, she throws in the Beatles. She's like, who cares if the Beatles get back together? She's like, fuck the Rolling Stones. Get out of here, Rolling Stones. Doris, get out of here, Doris. (laughs) Then she's like... There's no more complete catalog of sexist slurs than Dylan's Just Like a Woman, in which he defines women's natural traits as greed, hypocrisy, whining, and hysteria. But isn't that cute, he concludes, because it's just like a woman. For a finale, he throws in a patronizing observation that adult women have a way of just of breaking just like a little girl. She goes on, remember in 1971, this doesn't really matter for you, but for other people out there. Uh, quote, these days, a seemingly mellow Dylan has been writing about women with less hatred, but the results still aren't especially flattering. Now he calls females ladies and invites them to lay across his big brass bed. We don't really say ladies anymore. You've said ladies. I say ladies. Nobody says females because that's now an incel thing. Yeah, well, yeah, people do still say females. And anytime someone says that or saying these females, Mm. see, then you're just like a female. (laughs) Then she's got a few more points. Quote, As for romance, Rock hasn't rejected it entirely. Rock loves songs that exhibit a regular gallery of passive, spiritless women, sad-eyed ladies, propped up on velvet thrones as private property of a sunshine Superman. But why aren't there more women, Kelly? Quote, the problem is that women have been intimidated from even attempting a career in rock. Women, the myth says, aren't smart enough to understand the complexities of electronics or tough enough to compose music of sufficient intensity or physically strong enough to play drums. I can't pick up a guitar with my little, I have a little guitar because I have little baby hands. Honey Landry playing the fucking drums. (laughs) The guitar is acceptable, but the electric guitar is unfeminine. And then later, quote, which leaves us with Joan Baez. Judy Collins and Joni Mitchell, who specialize in the bland folk rock deemed appropriate for a delicate sex. Damn, don't throw Joni Mitchell under the bus like that. Fuck. (laughs) 
She's a jazz impresario. She's, I mean, it's funny because 71, she's like brand new. Okay. She's not Joni Mitchell the way we like. There's no blue. Janis there... Joplin around that? So she mentions Janis Joplin. Okay. Uh, and she, she holds her up as a, as, as good, as yeah. a good one. And at the time, yeah, and then she was like, she predicted an end to this all because of the stagnating 1970s the economy was going under. Mm. She was like, any day now, it's all going to be over. And I was like, that's rock and roll. Well, you're wrong. Yeah. Just like, <laughs> it's all gonna be over. <laughs> so there's a couple of funny takes where it's just like, whoa, uh, this is this is clearly Music wrong. Music will cease to be. <laughs> Don't worry. And then feminism will happen. Yes. So I thought I would throw that out there um, yeah. just because I, I see it always trotted out. I I tend to think that when you sit down and just look at it, especially lyrically, yeah. Oh, it's, that's it's totally valid. Damning. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. There's more to it, of course. But when you're trying to write an article, you're going for the jugular, baby. Hell yeah. And I think it does pretty well, Not I got to say. Yeah. And so I, I'm curious as to what you would think about punk rock in general. I mean, what she kind of is advocating for. Sure. Is like, for, where's for, Patti Smith? Like, where are we going to... And these people don't yeah. even exist yeah, at this point. So it's it's interesting. It's just like at a weird moment. I just wanted to share that with, with you and with yeah. everybody out there because I think that like I don't want to rehash this again for like like a Rolling Stone, uh, for uh, Queen oh, Jane approximately. Article? Yeah, because yeah, it's always it's always cited. Hmm. So we'll we'll leave it there. We'll we'll talk about it later at some other point. So let's go to the chorus. She takes just like a woman. Yeah, she does. <laughs> she she makes love just like a woman. Yes, yeah, she does. She aches just like a woman, but she breaks just like a little girl. Yeah. So yes. again, you can immediately take this as misogynist dream. Yeah. I mean, if you're already a misogynist, you're singing this and you're like, hell yeah, man, women, they be taking my money, mm-hmm. uh, making love. Yeah. They, they're just I, objects. They're, they're just, just they're just objects. And you know, I want to come in five seconds and how dare they be mad at me? Uh, she aches just like a woman, women be having periods, yo. Uh, <laughs> and she breaks just like a little girl. Yeah. They're all just little girls on the inside. Blah, 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 you know, all that kind right. of shit. So, yeah, it's a misogynist dream now the, of a chorus. The, the makes love line is the only one that, like, really takes you to an objectification point immediately. But for yeah. me, yeah, you could take it, obviously, as the sexist thing. But you can also be like, like I said before, take this as a portrait of a single singular person that's, like, just like a woman, not as in, like, ugh, I roll just like a woman. But, like, you're acting like an adult human female. That's how I see it. Yeah. yeah. And that's the only way to really be able to get through this song for me is like if you're taking it from that point of view. Of like, you're pretending to be an adult. Yes, we're using the word woman here. But, like, you, you're pretending you have everything together and that you're an adult. But I know you're inside. You're just scared. Like, like a little girl, for me, is the placeholder of, like, like you know, like a kid. Like, you're scared. Like, you're yeah, vulnerable. I totally yeah. agree. I mean, if it was a little boy and you put yeah. boy, like, it would still make sense. Because you could also say the same thing where you, you know, I, I don't know. It's, it's hard because when women are demonized for 500 years, that's a lot of baggage to try to like overcome in a, in a pop song. But like, I see it as something strong, you know, taking like a woman, making love like a woman, ache yeah. like a woman, like these are all powerful things. And I think Dylan alludes to that power later when he, when he says, you know, I was hungry and it was your world. Right. That, yeah. that illusion right there. I think without that line, this song falls apart part um and it becomes a little more gross than than and that's my opinion i guess but we'll get there yeah. in a second well that's why i think that some of the takes from the cutting edge so one of the versions on the cutting edge uh one of the lyrics that ultimately gets swapped out is she don't bother me and ask where i expect to be mm. meaning like she's not one of those nagging bitches you guys this one she's special she's not like other girls right so that kind of stuff makes you like yeah. <laughs> when the ache line because the ache could be read as just like you know the way that you handle pain, mm-hmm. like you, you do it solemnly or, you know, stoically. Right. Like a woman. Or, women are strong. Exactly. <laughs> or you think women are weak and you're going to read into that as weak. I mean, that's why this is impossible. It's impossible. Mm-hmm. If you hate women, you listen to this. This is your jam. It's this your is what anthem. you play 24-7. Yeah. Absolutely. You don't care about the verses. You care just about that <laughs> chorus. That's your banger. That's all you want. Um, whereas I think that's a horrible take, horrible read, and it is wrong. Completely wrong. Um, but... But it's hard because, as we've been saying this whole time, it, the text is there. It's there. Yeah. It's there. And it's it's not great. It's not great. So next verse, Queen Mary, she's my friend. Yes, I believe I'll go see her again. Nobody has to guess that baby can't be blessed till she sees finally that she's like all the rest with her fog, her amphetamines, and her pearls. Yeah, so <laughs> I don't know why Annie got changed to Queen Mary. But I don't know that that is a significant difference. He was just like, lady's name. Ooh, Queen Mary sounds cool. Is Queen Mary uh, a friend of Queen Jane? 
I don't know. Is it marijuana? That's what some people oh, oh, really? Yeah. Oh. So he's like getting high because he's sad or not sad. Or <laughs> I, I'm not sad. No. I just like getting high now. That's so funny. I think. <laughs> I, I think never, it's just a thing. Yeah. I think it's I, just like, Annie, no, nah, I'm going to use Annie later. Yeah. I wouldn't think that it was pot, but that would be, because I, re, I really love when everybody's attributing all these fucking amazing, like waxing poetic about every uh-huh. little line bubble like, oh, ever shout out. And then it's like, that's about pot. <laughs> <laughs> well, it'd rather be about pot than Jesus. Well, so. true. Christ. True. Queen Mary, Jesus. Yeah, why not? Um, so, the, yeah, the fog and amphetamine and pearls, I'm not really sure what that is. Other than these are just, like, words that sound fun together that are supposed to mean the trappings of womanhood. Again, if I'm taking it from the perspective of this is a person pretending to be an adult human female with their shit together. This is like, I see you over there. Yeah. And you got to make sure you have all your shit together. You know, your amphetamines and your pearls so that everybody knows that you're, you know, a woman. Right. Here. Hear me roar. Yeah. And that's what it means to be a woman now. Yeah. What's yeah. <laughs> amphetamines in fog? Well, I mean, I just love it. It's another great instance of him taking a overcrowded sentence and fitting it into the song and letting mm-hmm. it go over. Uh, uh, impeccable. I love that line a lot. Uh, Carl Porter in Bob Dylan and Philosophy talks about the song and like Rolling Stone, Queen Jane to Ramona, who we will talk about in time. Uh, he sees this as a critique of materialism and social hierarchy. Yeah. Quote, in these songs, Dylan's critique takes the form of presenting a flawed character who serves as a model of how not to act. Uh, Continuing the quote a little bit later. And while she acts in many ways like a woman, taking, making, love, aching, and faking, when it comes to real strength, she is lacking just like a little girl. Finally, the the song's contrast between the trappings of this brand of consumerist womanhood and the fragility of girlhood suggests that while possessions mask weakness, they don't provide maturity, depth, or strength. Bill King... Uh, would would relate that this was Dylan's quote finest poem on the failure of human relationships because of the illusion created by a social myth. Yeah, that women are less, and I'm, it's pretty profound stuff. But Carl Porter would disagree. Later on in the book, he says, "quote One might object that the women Dylan depicts in songs such as Just Like a Woman are not being criticized because they are women abandoning traditional roles, but because they are, but because of the flaws in their characters. While that might be true." It does seem peculiar that Dylan consistently launches his critique of these flaws through the bodies and lives of women in particular, and that the only women who escape the critique are praised in songs are and praised in songs are those who are pastorally passive. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about that in Shelter from the Storm, which we'll talk about in a, in a moment. And speaking of passivity, some people, um, and this is weird because I kind of like forget about it while I'm like reading the lyrics and stuff, but text is everything. Text is not just the physical text that we think of as words, but text is the song, text is the singing, the rhythm, the cadence, all of it. Some people like Paul Williams note that this song is passive. It's not, it's, it, it doesn't have the biting anger that people put on it just on a lyrical read because of the way he's singing. He's mm. singing it lethargically, he's singing it slowly. He's singing it liltingly, really. I mean, gorgeous. It's very soft. I mean, we've talked about the contrast between like happy songs with dark lyrics. Right, yeah. You know, and that contrast can always be fun. But in this case, I didn't, I didn't even think about it I, because it, I mean, it, it really would make work. a huge difference if he was screaming this. And like, even there are points in the Rolling Thunder where he's like at his most punk rock, where he does that. He's like, um, we say, I can't. He holds that one last line is at the end of the. the end of the bridge where he goes and it clear it's like you know you could that's the most angry read of this <laughs> um so yeah i guess your anger can really color yeah yeah some of those i mean we talk real life going back to that i mean you can make it a really vindictive fast song and mm-hmm. dylan's still the only musician that i can think of huge musician that regularly changes the songs and make them mean something different he doesn't go out there and just play the version so it's like all these versions have different interpretations i i still don't know why other bands don't do that i find it interesting that he never at least in the live versions that we listen to changed it lyrically yeah he doesn't seem to have a penchant for that with other songs i mean take a love and blue famously yeah and this one i think with some of them he he considers done like he can i probably considers this one done whereas tingled up and blue he said I mean, we weren't really doing the show like this before, but he said about Tangled Up in Blue that it is a song that he'll probably never really finish. Mm. It's a song that just will live with him forever and change 
as my life goes on. So but he does change it musically. So maybe he hides in that. Maybe this song means something to him at a different point in his life. And mm-hmm. like as anybody else coming into it, whatever you're bringing into the song yeah. is how you're going to read it. So maybe sometimes when he sings it, he's like, yeah, fuck women, fuck all women, fuck that woman in specific. <laughs> sure. Sure. Yeah. I think you, I think people have those feelings. Uh, I think all people have them uh, from time to time. It's just yeah. about what do you do with it? I mean, you might, if you feel that way, if you take it out by going and killing women, then you've done it wrong. But if you can reconcile with those thoughts and, and constructively try to fix yourself, chill out, relax, self-reflection, self-reflect. Yeah. It's like no one's blaming you for like being mad in a moment or being rejected and making it about the whole world. But it's not about the whole world. It's about you, man. It's about you. Right. Exactly. And that's what, I don't know if this song can teach you that, but I'm certainly teaching you that right now. <laughs> Listen to me. And then we have the bridge. It was raining from the first and I was dying there of thirst. I love that contrast. So I came in here and your long time curse hurts. But what's worse is this pain in here. I can't stay in here. Ain't it clear that I love that raining from the first dying of yeah. thirst. Just well, open see, your mouth, homie. We're going back to the beginning of the song. So I, I definitely think he's looking in at a party at this. Yeah. Girl we're he like scoping yeah. back through. Yeah. We just went into the past. and Yep. Yeah. Or to the future or something. So know. like if this is a scene in a show or oh, movie, yeah, right? Sure. Like, so we start with Bob Dylan in the rain, smoking, just looking pensive and shitty, staring through the window like a creepo. It's nighttime in the big city. Rain has fallen. Fog rolls in from the waterfront. A night shift nurse smokes the last cigarette in her pack. It's theme time radio hour with your host, Bob Dylan. Oh, yeah. And then we go into the girl at the party laughing and she looks great and like, uh, cool. just like a fucking woman. So vapid with her, with her fancy <laughs> amphetamine and pearls <embarrels. laughs> and a fog maybe of smoke around oh, her. Oh God, of course. The fog yes, yes. Yeah. And then we stop in the moment to do our little flashbacks yeah. and come around and then we come back to that moment and we zoom back out to Bob. Long but now we're in real time and he's actually going to walk in the building now. He's can't take to. it anymore. I'm dying I just upstairs. can't fit. <laughs> Yeah, no, it was, uh, I mean, I thought of Shelter from the Storm right away. I mean, the sexualness of the thirst. I mean, thirst is such a word we use today. Right. As, I'm, yeah. I mean, they definitely meant that, though. This is a, oh, yeah. this fucking sex. Like, I'm dying of thirst. Like, I don't know. I, I feel like that's that's kind of an encapsulation of, like, what it feels like to be young and, like, wanting to be around people all the time. And if you're with a lot of different people and this is just, like, a thought inside your head, he kind of confirms it when he's like, I'm hungry. It's different than being thirsty, right? I was hungry. I was. I wanted this more than just like getting a little taste. I needed the whole thing, but it was your world. We'll get to that in a moment. But well, go, I think this narrows it down to one woman specifically, as opposed to we're a diamond, like indictment of women. Right. Because, and that makes it for me more on the side of an earnest look at one woman who is pretending to be one thing uh, versus uh, and like anything else, just like a generalization Yeah. because he's saying specifically about a moment that like I had with you one person. Right. You know, so. And, and regardless of Bob Dylan's right or wrong, or he's miscalculating on what happened or didn't happen, that part doesn't matter. Right. This is just, yeah, this is the song. It's from his point of view. Is he a reliable narrator, Kelly? Who knows? I'm going to say no. <laughs> uh, the very last verse, I just can't fit. Yes, I believe it's time for us to quit. When we meet again, I love this. When we meet again, introduce as friends. Please don't let on that you knew me when I was hungry and it was your world. Uh, I thought while watching the final season of Veep, um, have you caught up on Veep? Mm-hmm. Did you watch the the Not Me? I've never dated Bob Dylan. I'm going to need you to sign an agreement right now that yes. says I have never dated Bob Dylan. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Too long women have been silent in the face of rumors. They went out with Congressman Ryan. But finally, people are starting to believe women. And I believe Amanda when she says, not me. Not me. But yeah, so the line, I was hungry and it was your world. Probably my favorite line. Like all these good Great Bob Dylan songs. I guess we can put this one in there because people like it. I think it's damning on both ends. I think that it kind of gives away that Dylan's mad and that he's he does the thing where he puts a lot of vitriol out there and then at the last moment he pulls it back and he's just kind of like, just kidding. Yeah. Just kidding. He did this in One of Us Must Know. He says, and I told you as you were clawing out my eyes that I never really meant to do you any harm. Like, oh, we just kind of pulled back all the meanness I said. And especially if you're mad, you're never going to acknowledge your oh, yeah. your own mistakes. That's the thing about Bob. That's why all that stuff from later where he is reflecting back on that period. You want to take 1974 Blood on the Tracks, Bob, put him in here and have him look reflectively on this song. But that's not really fair because that guy's like a 40-year-old person. This dude's 25. Right. 
you know, you've got to keep them separated somehow. Even being generous to this song, yeah. I think if you zoom out even further and we're taking it as fact as that he is disgusted with the trappings of regular womanhood. Sure. Because that's what, like, he, there is definitely that element of you're not like other girls to this. Even when you're being a little generous, like, you're you're different. Yeah. Um, which implies that the way that normal women, quote unquote, are is not good. Like, because you want to have pearls and you want to be this life, that is not good. Right. Or just in the fact that um, men and, and even other women, there's a lot of self-hating women out there, don't get me wrong. So that, I will just say people, uh, don't put value in things that are considered girly or feminine because like those are lesser because women are lesser. Right. So if a girl likes to wear makeup, that's vapid and lesser. If a girl likes to wear dresses, that's vapid and lesser. Or if, you know, it doesn't matter as long as it's associated with femininity, femininity, (laughs) it's lesser. So that's this kind of thing. It's like, she likes to go to parties and dress nice. Ah, women. (laughs) She likes to do drugs on her own and Ah, enjoy herself. Oh my God. Yeah. So even when you're being yeah. generous, that's still baked in there. And that's just societal fucking patriarchy. Just, yeah. Like all people are sexist and racist. It's your job as a person on this planet to fight against that every day and become a better person. So if we're taking it on that bigger macro scale, this song can't not be sexist, right? Because oh. that's baked in a little bit. Ooh, hey. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. On on the enormous scale, but not that's even zooming out to, quite that far. If we're going to yeah, zoom back no, even a little bit more, in. it's yeah. uh, yeah, it's it's hard to. I I I under yeah, I totally understand exactly what you're saying, and I agree with it. And I think anybody who's being honest about Bob Dylan's life and his times and where he came from and what time period we're in and all of that, yeah, yeah. the whole point of of the times they are a changing man is to look back on the time before they did it. Why can't we? You look back on Bob Dylan and it's like, man, that's some retrograde shit. Try to do better, and but like it, that's a cap, like encapsulated. We can't change that moment. We right. can never change that. Moment. So that, so what you're pointing to then is is important because this is another crux of this entire podcast, which is, does this song have any value today? Right. Is this song? Unfortunately, it's going to be on all of his live performances. I mean, hopefully none of those ever come out again, but it's on every show this dude's ever played. Everything, it's everywhere. This song is everywhere. Every greatest hits on it. Anybody getting into Bob Dylan is going to. Reckon with the song that and that sucks. That sucks because this to me is something that you come to after you've done the better songs, the songs that work harder to show nuance because this one does not. It lacks the nuance. It lacks anything there. You know, I'm taking that one line, but I'm taking that line with dozens of other lines, even just lines that we've listened to on this podcast. Give him a bit of a pass. If this was episode two, this is a hard, hard explainer. How do you explain? This is like a, you know, what the hell is this guy doing type of shit? So. That being said, what do you do? What do you do for like a new Bob Dylan fan? You you know, hopefully this, if you're listening to it and want to know more, hopefully this helped because it is a level of like understanding that that's there and that misogynistic side of Bob Dylan exists. The creating women and putting them on a pedestal. You might not think that's misogyny, but it definitely is. Yeah. Um, and that's more of Bob Dylan's brand than women are divine Monolithic. creatures yeah. who go up here but at the end of the day I need to get fed you know let's do the thing um, <laughs> but I'm going to treat you like a human being up until it's inconvenient for me and then I'm going to say oh, I didn't I didn't do any of those things right but- Or, but then I'm going to come out with a hit record later where I'm going to explain all my flaws because I've come around again to understanding them but I knew in the time because I'm also <laughs> a human being who kind of understands what I'm doing yeah it's a that's why Bob Dylan's rich because I think a lot of these feelings happen to a lot of relationships and people out there in the world and oh, it's sure. like all these moments you can just sit back and be like here's this moment of Bob Dylan's life that like is with me right now right. I'm mad at this that this girl but maybe this is a way to work through the pain because a lot of his work does do that it takes kind of a, a callous look at something and then it kind of shines a light somewhere else and I think even with that line hungry in your world I think it can do that you're like oh yeah she kind of did have everything she is independent she is her own thing i was just hungry i was just looking for a score i was looking just to be with somebody i just to really feel liked... special to feel right stuff right and it really in the end it didn't really matter that much to me either why am i saying it meant so much to me maybe i'm better off in the rain out here yeah. smoking my cigarette i can move on yeah. and maybe that's okay so i don't know in this in this case i think the only the only thing i can think for where it goes forward is that no more guys cover this song I think the ur text has been written. I think Bob Dylan doing just like a woman is the only text 
from a man that we need. Mm. I think that going forward, thing Robert Shelton, who wrote the first definitive biography on Bob Dylan, he he notes this version in in the biography quote, uh, Roberta Flack quote has recorded a vastly different version, which you could say for Nina Simone, in which she converts the song into a compassionate lament for women's victimization and depth of feeling. She achieves she achieves this through an interpretive shift, but also a change in the lyrics viewpoint. Perhaps she was trying to write an answer song based on the original. And I think it's unbelievably fascinating to write an answer song to just like a woman while using the same Same lyrics and answering it. And that kind of, I guess, gets to what Paul Williams was saying, where you can take the music, the intention, where it's being played at into account with a text because now you have Bob Dylan, the er text. That's all you need. I don't need some bro singing the song for me. Like it's, it will offer nothing, Yeah. but getting Nina Simone, getting Roberta Flack, getting any woman to play the song. Mm-hmm. It depends. You can do it like a hack. You can just do it and performatively and just be like, yeah, Bob Dylan, what a great sure. song. Greatest hit. Ooh, ooh. Raise we'll make out the of point that. of view clear. Take out the ambiguity and say, and Nina no. does, you know, yeah. I, 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 uh, I do. I think musically it's, it's flat. For me, it feels two sixties, and not, and I don't mean that necessarily in a kind way. Just yeah. that fucking organ ruins it for me. Yeah, honestly. Oh, <laughs> Which poor, I, I love a Hammond organ. I love a Hammond organ. I'm not gonna say. Well, it sometimes, work, so. and we've said on the podcast that it's made the songs before, yeah. so it really just is in the moment. Um, too bad Garth wasn't there. Probably. Sorry, Al. I love been you. Different. Could have been different. How are we? How, how are we doing that, Charlie? Let, let me do it alone. Rain was raining from the first. I was dying of thirst. All right, Kelly. We are also people in the world. Did you know that? We listen to songs other than Just Like a Woman. This was fun. We we spent a lot of time with this. We Our playlist this week was excellent. Longer than usual. But we spent a we little bit more time on this. Tons of Bob versions. Yeah. And all of, obviously, all of the cutting edge. So that's always a... A trip. So hopefully you guys have enjoyed uh, listening to some of those versions. And if you have access to them, a lot of them are on Spotify, Apple Music. But, you know, if you ever get a chance to listen to The Cutting Edge, highly, highly recommended. Hopefully we can give you a little taste in here. But if you want more of a taste of a lot of other episodes, including songs that are on The Cutting Edge, including we've talked about I Want You, Fourth Time Around, uh, One of Us Must Know, Sooner or Later. We did a whole thing on Highway 61 Revisited. So uh, you can go listen to any songs that we've covered on the period at SOTWPod.com. That's right. SOTWPod.com, your only source for Bob Dylan information. At SOTWPod everywhere. Everywhere. Twitter, Instagram, and most importantly, Patreon.com. Patreon.com. SOTWPod, where if you give us a dollar, we'll be really grateful. Yeah, you'll be listening to this a week before other people even, even know it's a thing. Yeah, and sometimes we give you extra episodes. Sometimes we do. <laughs> but what we do always give you is an amazing playlist. Yeah. This week, you can go, obviously, to our website and go find Just Like a Woman, and you can listen to the playlist uh, there, or you can follow us at See That My Playlist Is Kept Clean. Uh, When you're listening to this, we might not have Just Like a Woman on there anymore, but whatever song we have on there is a song that we're currently listening to. In real time. In real time, and we will uh, change it as we get done recording and as the schedule shifts. So if you want to know what we're listening to, that's your best bet. And thanks to the, you know, dozen of you that are are listening along with that. It's really, really cool. Speaking of our playlist this week, I want to welcome back a couple bands that have been on our playlist before. Bad Cop, Bad Cop. That's right. Lot of Speed, who we just saw on the 5th, which was a great show, which we'll talk about later. Uh, maybe. I mean, I guess we don't do concert reviews. Yeah. If we go to too many shows, so we can't really do that. <laughs> lot of Speed, fantastic. If you get a chance to go see them. Uh, who are they with? Slow Mass and Gouge Away. Away. Yeah, so highly recommended. Iron and Wine, Beck of Montreal, Nine Inch Nails. I've heard a couple of them. <laughs> Fleetwood Mac, Bomb the Music Industry, The Cure, first song since episode four. Damn. I know. Uh, Justin Towns Earl, and Nina Simone, of course. Welcome to the playlist, Karen O, although we have had Yeah, Yeah, Yeah's before. Yeah. Bun, Led Zeppelin for the first time. Hmm. Crazy. Uh, Levon Helm for the first time. Wow. Also go listen to Band Month. Coulter Wall for the first time. Those he he was on my uh, last year's top 20. He also is playing the song that's in the Deadwood trailer because they released the trailer for the movie. What? Oh, yeah, because Coulter Wall is one of the recommendations from last With year. The yeah, mm-hmm. who's like only 30, but he sounds like he's 
out of time. Yeah, he's just like <laughs> like, another another world. Yeah, highly recommend Coulter Wallstill and The Darkness. Oh yeah, yeah, we had that darkness, and like it randomly came up on my playlist yeah. while uh, driving around. Darkness time, <laughs> and that's a great song. Get your hands off of my woman, <laughs> motherfucker. <laughs> but beyond the darkness is the dawn. I don't know. <laughs> What else were we doing? What else were we doing this week, Kelly? Um, because of Lotus Butte, I would really highly recommend their opening band, Slow Mass. Listen, it's all you're all about the opening band. I do love an opening band. Yeah. You can't help it. I don't know. Slow Mass, as far as we know, has not broken up. They played the set, left. It's not like I ruined Control Top somehow, Control Top <laughs> just done. by wanting to see them. <laughs> uh, but yeah, they. I think they have the three albums. They're all really good. It's really um, good. kind of eclectic. They their music ranges a little bit, kind of like a lot of dispute too, like. They, I didn't think I liked Law Dispute for a long time because I thought they were one kind of band. And yeah. then, uh, the playlist this week has Woman in the Mirror and Woman Reading, I yep. think. Um, but fantastic fucking songs. Yes. Like really, Whichever one is like uh, something nice, make a dish to bring. The next yes. It's so good. Yeah, yep. very cool song. Anyway, so Slow Mass. I was also listening to Sunny Day Real Estate quite a bit. And uh, I don't really know what else. Oh, well, we saw, we saw the new Pet Cemetery. I wouldn't recommend it. It's kind of oh. boring. It took really Have you to... seen the old Pet Cemetery? Yeah, actually. And it's not much different. I didn't mention this, but do you know, did you know that just like a woman, some of the lyrics are in the novel Carrie? Oh. Yeah, yeah she's that. just um, writing out some of the lyrics and it's there. Huh. Uh, yeah. I mean, my major recommendation, I'll kind of leave off some of the other ones, is Tallest Man on Earth. Oh, right. New yeah. record. Uh, Love You. It's a fever dream. I listened to that too. It was good. It's I so good. I remember. Yeah. No, it's at first it was, it was like I wasn't in the mood for it. So I actually didn't listen to it on the Friday because... I was just busy and I was like, I know I'm not going to, because I know it's going to be softer. It's going to go back to the roots. It's not going to be like um, his last record, Dark Bird is Home. With uh, the big, the which is the bands. Yeah. Like, and that's, and that was much more like, okay, just pop it in the, on in the back and you can kind of flow with it. This one was very just him. A uh, couple times there were a little synth stuff, which I like. Um, he did like little synths on Running Styles New York. Um, it's cool because you do you can hear the beating of his leg mm-hmm. on the song My Dear there's horns on Hotel Bar and I mean I Love You It's a Fever Dream the last song it's like one of my favorite songs of the year so far it's just perfect again another fucking stellar record from another amazing artist like Pop yeah, it's sing, just like can do so no wrong can do yeah. no wrong and it's it, it, a little bit infuriating and I love <laughs> that he um is just, he's he's so proficient at guitar and like Dark Bird's Home was cool because it was a full band and it kind of less on him. He wasn't having to flex so much. Sure. But eh, we're back. We're back to just some banjos. We're back to some amazing guitar work. Yeah. It's never going to be like Wild Hunt again. It's never going to be like that again. I get it. But this is like, I'm glad it's it's back to this. You all, it's just a fever dream That's been closing in to her heart But we will travel past the beaten rain and be graceful after all And I keep the hope I carry Little things so I can love Wherever I go now Alright Kelly, this is where we pick next week's song After a long, long episode you know what song I've had stuck in my head all weekend? Fucking Black Diamond Bay. And I feel like it's a bad omen. I feel oh, like something terrible's gonna happen. Gonna get Joey. Joey. Oh, God, maybe. Wow, I didn't even do the Sarah. Sarah. I don't even mean a bad omen in that that song was bad. I mean, like, the context of that song is a cataclysmic event. Oh, so That's fair. Yeah. yeah. I certainly hope not. I'm just minding my own business. You'd be like, <laughs> all right, Kelly. Just like a woman is gone, we are down to 423 songs left one out of 423 what you got i might collapse the day you say a number under 400 because i feel like we've been well we're gonna be close i mean we'll be at 100 and we'll be near 400 here so 92 92 it's 271 92 however in a different world different timeline cannot be black diamond white black diamond bay Sorry, did that one. Oh, we'd be going back to the horrible down in a groove is that when one did, of the Christian ones? When did you leave heaven? No, this was after. This is the one when Shenandoah was on. Remember Shenandoah? Oh, yeah. For our lazy fun time slide into fun summer, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Which would be going on now. That's uh, the one year anniversary of our fun time slide into summer. Yeah, I think that's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. Sun of the Window presents. 
Yeah, who knows what it is. <laughs> 271 is the correct answer. 271, 271. Oh, okay. Spanish is the loving tongue. I'm learning Spanish. Yay. Ooh, we can just do a whole episode in Spanish. Wow. That cool. would be real tough. Hola, Bruno necesita dinero. Oh, yep. That's going to go great. So this is uh, on the Basement Tapes. One version of it is, but it's more known for being on uh, a famous record that we can talk about for the first time called Dylan, which is a compilation of some terrible songs <laughs> that Columbia put out because Bob left them for one record and they were like, we have, we're just cashing in. We own all our shit. Fuck it. So fuck it. Repackage and put it out there. Yeah. So we will, uh, we'll talk about Dylan a bit next week and we'll talk about Spanish as a loving tongue. It's a cover as far as I know. So we'll talk about where it came from. Sure. Kelly, it's been a blast. Yeah. I will talk to you soon. No, not sooner than the episode. I'll, I'm actually going to cone of silence. It's true. Tonight. Silence until next episode. Yes. Silence till 85. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye. When I hear her tender greeting, whispered song for me alone. Mi amor, mi corazón